Hello, and welcome to Life on Maine, a daily podcast of Life on Maine in Charlestown, New Hampshire, where we discuss living life on the main purpose as designed by God. I am Pastor Tim Golden, and on these podcasts, we focus on growing in relationship with God, maturing in the faith through His Word, stewarding our relationships with one another, as well as learning to make disciples as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each day highlights one of these facets of spiritual character, growth, and stewardship, so be sure to come back each day to grow a strong and healthy walk with the Lord. Now, let's see what the Holy Spirit wants to show us today. We do want to start off by greeting you from Life on Main. I'm going to ask the Life on Main group if they'll just kind of stand up that are with us back there, just so you guys can feast your eyes on them. Thank you. My kids, no, <laughs> so to speak. No, that's not all of them. And, uh, but so great what God is doing down there. Some people think about life on Maine. We do bring you greetings from everybody there as well as those that are tuning in online today. And some people think of us in words of fondness and others because stories get back to us. Oh, yeah, life on Maine, that's that old people's church. Just because we like tradition traditional music, though we do some of the current stuff too, I'll let you know that, okay? But, and what really can God do through that, right? I mean, you're meeting down there in downtown Charlestown, there's a group of about 20 or so of you, seems to have been that way for quite some time, so can anything good come out of Nazareth, (laughs) right? What's God doing? Let me just give you a little snippet of what God's doing, because how many know you cannot judge a book by its cover? We can never understand all of what it is God's doing, but sometimes God opens windows and lets us see. And it is with great joy that I just want to share with you a little bit of what God is doing through this church of 20 people around our globe. Right now, because of this ministry, there's another ministry that has sprung up. You heard from them a few weeks ago called Greater Things Ministries. And they are touching lives in the Philippines in incredible ways. I mean, hundreds of young people coming to know the Lord through that ministry. But what else is God doing? You know, we've been having life on Maine. You know about Heartline Ministries television broadcasts we've been doing. And I've been taking some time of doing some research. And this is not just going by views. Because how many, how many are familiar with Facebook and views, Right? A view, all that means is somebody just kind of scrolled past your image and they saw you, okay? That's all a view really means sometimes. What you really got to take a look at is who's following? Who are the fans, right? Who is it that's going out of their way to say, you know, I like this? And they're, they're, they're clicking on certain things because of that. These two other ministries from Life on Main and this is, and I do not say this proudly, I say this very humbly, just to let you know, man, if God can use us like this, he can use anybody, you know. But right now, last count as of this week, we, through Life on Main and Heartline together, we are on every continent in the, United, in the world. All of the six continents we have, yeah, go ahead, give God glory. Every one of the six continents from Australia, New Zealand on that end, all the way over to Alaska, And everything in between, Pakistan, Israel, Jordan, Nigeria, Ghana, um, Japan, uh, South Korea, uh, Brazil, I mean, you name it. There's so many places we are. If you're curious about all the places, 
We actually got a map when you leave today, see it uh, right against the back wall. You can get a little bit of a look at what God's doing through life on Maine. This is not people. This is referring to towns and cities, okay? 544 cities and towns around the globe, spanning 39 of the 50 states and 28 different countries through a little church of 20 people, you know? Now, yeah, go ahead, give God glory. Because if God can do that through us, what can he do through you? What can he do through you? These are great days we are in. God, you want my heart? You got it. And sometimes that feels really good. How many know sometimes it doesn't feel so good? Because it's easy to sing the songs when we're in a group of people like this, where the presence of God is felt, where his Holy Spirit's falling, and, and we, we understand and we're able to really get that focus. But then we get out there in the world, and life begins to hit us. And then all of a sudden, we seem to hit this obstacle and that obstacle, and this thing comes against us, and that person comes against us. And all of a sudden, before long, we begin to wonder, am I really sure I want you to have all of my heart? because this isn't feeling so comfortable anymore. I want us to turn, if you will, in your, in your Bibles with me. I think we'll have the verse up there, but have your Bibles out anyways, because we're going to go to a number of other verses. But we are going to be in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 12. Acts 16, verses 6 through 12. I've only got 6 through 10 up there, because that's mostly where I'm looking at. But I want to highlight verses 11 and 12. And I'm reading on the New King James, and it says, Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. This is Paul and his crew. Forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. And then verses 11 and 12, Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to some other place. I think it's pronounced Samothrace. And the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your presence that has already visited us here today. And God, we ask that you continue to indwell us, that you continue to let your spirit move in this place. Lord, that you would give us a sensitivity of heart, Lord, to hear your voice and what it is you're calling us to in this day and in this hour, in Jesus' name, amen. So, this is Paul's second missionary journey. How many know he took a number of missionary journeys? So he'd already gone on the first one, traveled all over the place, and then he decides, I've got the second journey I'm going to take. And he had an itinerary set up of what he was going to do during that time. However, partway through this itinerary, the Holy Spirit moves and lets him know, I'm changing the plan. I am changing your course. You wanted to go, and you were planning on going to Asia, but guess what? 
you're going to go the opposite direction. And I probably wouldn't have known this because I'm terrible in geography, except with putting all these little pins on that map back there, I now know that to go in the area of Macedonia was the opposite direction from where they were planning on heading. They were planning on going into Asia, which would have been east, and God said, go west, young man. Go west. And so he packs up, and they begin to make some other plans. Okay, well, maybe this is what you mean. And no, Macedonia, that's where you're going. And I don't know about you, but I'm really glad he listened to the Holy Spirit. Because you probably would look on your normal map today and find out Macedonia's not there. Okay? Macedonia would refer to Europe. We, most of us, are descendants of European ancestors, mostly. There are others from other places. But the vast majority of people in America are of European descent. We would not have the gospel today had Paul not listened then. Aren't you glad Paul listened and let God shift his course? I certainly am. So in the midst of this, it's understanding that Sometimes we have our ideas of how we want God to work. We want to do some pretty awesome things for Jesus, but God has other plans. Sometimes it's not just a matter of doing for him, it's working with him. Amen? It's not just getting God's stamp of approval on the things that we engage in. It's finding out where is it he really wants us to engage. And when he shows us those things, move that direction. Now, something very interesting I find with this story is there was no handwriting on the wall, per se. God didn't come down in a shaft of light, and all of a sudden, thus says the Lord, and there's this booming voice from the cloud saying, go to Macedonia. What he has, it tells us, is a vision. And in this vision, there was somebody that was a Macedonian who said simply, come over and help us. Well, gee, that sounds pretty vague. Macedonia is a pretty big place, and what does help necessarily mean? But one thing Paul understood was this, that this was not just a vision. This was not just some dream. It tells us then at the end of that that now after he had seen the vision, what happened? Immediately, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia. There was no hesitation. There was, this is what God's saying, and now this is what we are going to do. And they then began to move in the direction that God had laid forth, even though it meant a total change, of course. Does that mean Paul wasn't hearing from God initially? No. But how many know God wants us to trust him every day? God wants us to walk with him every day. His mission has not changed. He is still taking the gospel into all the world. It's just, which part of the world did he need to go to right now? And the Holy Spirit said, Macedonia is the place. So I want you to pack up, and I want you to begin to move, shift your course, do a reset, as we heard this morning. Because how many know reset means a couple of different things? Resetting is something that sometimes you do in a video game. Anyone ever play a video game? It's not going the way you want. Reset. Go back to go. Do not collect $200, right? But it's to restart. It's to go back and re-begin, okay? But there's another reason for a reset. Reset is also something that you do if you want to build upon something, if you want to enlarge something. 
Because what happens with a building is a building, when you create it, it's been set. But how many know if you want to build an addition, there has to be a resetting of that foundation, in a sense, to be able to accommodate now the larger structure. And there's times God will call you to reset because you messed up. There's other times he calls you to reset because you're doing the right things, and now we need to begin to tweak it a little bit. And that is what is going on here with Paul. But we serve a faithful God. And in faithful, I mean this. Paul isn't the only one this happened to. Paul is not the only one. If you look all the way back in the book of Genesis, if you want to turn there in chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, it happened to another guy you may have heard of. His name was Abram or Abraham. And, th- and we're familiar with one verse, especially out of this area. It's verse 2. It says this, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Oh, and by the way, I will bless those who bless you, and I'm going to curse those who curse you. How many say, yeah, if that's my God, I give him my heart, right? You want to make my name great? Why would I not want to follow? That's verse 2. Let's back it up to verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And oh yeah, by the way, I will make you a great nation. So here's the great promise. But you know something, Abram? It's going to cost you a little something here. I've got a plan of what it is I want to do through you, but what I need you to do is I need you to do something first. First thing I need you to do Leave everything you know. Leave, I mean, it's not like today. I mean, we turn on the TV, we can experience cultures all over the place. You jump on a plane, you know, in a day, you can be on the other side, you know, in, in another country. But back then, to get out of your own country, that took some work. It was not an easy task. So he says, get out of your own country. Get out of your culture, get out of everything you know, and By the way, not just you, I also want you to pack up your family, and um, I want you to move from your father's house. Okay, how many know sometimes it's one thing to follow God's leading in your life? It's another thing to convince others that it's God's leading, especially when it begins to influence them. Amen? It can be a difficult thing, especially... When you add into this that now you're going to go over to your wife, you're going to go to your kids say, guess what? We're going to leave everything we know. Ain't this great? We're going to go to an area we have no clue what they're like. Uh, and then you finally convince them about that guy. Okay, so where is it? I don't know. Well, we going east, north, south, or west. Beats me. Yeah, how, how well have you thought this out? How well have you really considered this? Well, I don't know. All I know is what God's telling me. And this is what God says we need to do. And oh yeah, he's going to bless us as a result. Well, that's providing that he's being right on this other thing. But he says he'll bless you. But then it says at the end of that, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed. Leave everything you know, everything you've known for 75 years and go to a land you don't have a clue about. And by the way, I'm not even going to tell you the name of the place. You want my heart? You got it. 
That's ultimately what he was saying here. It doesn't matter if I know all the details. It doesn't matter if I even understand what's going to happen once we get there. This is what you're saying, God. This is what we are going to do. But how could they be so sure? Because they had fellowship with God. They had fellowship with God. You will never know when God says to move and have the courage and confidence to move the way he tells us to unless we first have fellowship with him. The reason Paul in the book of Acts in chapter 16, was able to shift his course literally wasn't be simply because God said so. It's because he knew that God said so. And how did he know that God said so? Well, let's go all the way back to right after his Damascus Road experience. We read through his letters that he went on, he went to be alone with God for three years. And when he came out of that three-year experience, even Peter was astonished at how much he knew, saying that his knowledge of of Jesus and, and of the gospel actually supersedes my own. And I walked with Jesus for three years. I had him in the flesh with me for three years. Paul didn't have Jesus in the flesh. All he had was this Holy Spirit that we've just been introduced to, and he knows Jesus even better than I do. That is why he was able to trust the word of the Lord, because he knew it to be God's voice. Because of why? Because he was with God not only in the bad times, but in the good times. He was with God day in and day out. But it's not only Abram and Paul that experienced this. We also see that the Israelites experienced something as they were led by Moses. Exodus chapter 13 Verses 21 and 22 says this, The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So this is after they had been delivered from the hands of the, the Egyptians and Pharaoh. But he sent a pillar of cloud to lead the way by, um, by day and a pillar of fire by night so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. And in other words, were they walking the entire time? No. There's times that they were moving. There's times they were stationary. Right? That's rocket science, I know. Right? But it's the truth. No matter what the situation was, the pillar of cloud was there representing the presence of God. We know this because when the tabernacle was built, the pillar came and rested there. But let's look at the next chapter, chapter 14, verses 13 to 15, and, and then verse 19. It said, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. So this is when they are now at the um, side of the Red Sea. And he, they're, they're concerned, we're, you brought us here, we're going to die now in the wilderness, we were better off over there in Egypt. But he said, do not be afraid. Stand still. They had been on the move. They had been going at some speed, most likely, as they left Egypt. But now they come to the side of the Red Sea and they're told to stand still. Of course, their first thought is, what else are we going to do? Got the Red Sea in front of us, can't go anywhere. But they could have backtracked. They could have tried going along the, the edges, find a shallow place to cross or something, I don't know. But he, 
Moses told them, don't be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry against me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. And so this is as the, um, as the Red Seas begin to part open. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel, make that note, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire went before the Israelites. Moses has now told them, stand still. How many know Moses never said anything that God didn't tell him to say? He didn't have confidence enough of him in himself. Go back to when he first encountered God on the mount, when he sent him to the people. What did he say? Send Aaron. He's a much better speaker than I am. And what did God say? I will give you the words to say. Did I not make your mouth? So we know that the things that he spoke were given to him by the Lord. So God is telling him to tell the people, do not be afraid, stand still. And then it goes on to tell us something really interesting. And this is probably why he, Moses first had to tell them, stand still. Because what now takes place is the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire, by day and by night, move from being in front of them to being behind them. Had they continued doing the things the way they always did it, what would their natural response be? Turn and head towards Egypt. But God said, no, stand still. Stand your ground. Just be stationary. Let me do what I need to do and get around behind you. And when he got behind them, what happens? Moses puts a staff in the Red Sea. The seas part. And then God says, move. Right? God says, move. But all that only comes, that kind of guidance can only be at our disposal when we choose to live in a daily relationship, in daily communication with God. And then we will learn his voice, we will hear his voice, be able to distinguish his voice from all the other voices that are out there that want to distract us, that want to attack us, and be able to stand true to those things that God tells us to do. God wants you to have that kind of relationship with him. Because there's coming a time in your life when God's going to call you to do some things that don't feel comfortable. And I can preach this. Amen, life on Maine? Because we is going through that very thing right now. We are not, I'm not simply preaching at you. I'm preaching what God's speaking to us as a church right now. Because some very interesting things are happening for us right now in these days. Very exciting things. Very scary things. But we see God's finger in it. We see God's hand in it. Because what has happened is God is now getting ready to put life on main in its next chapter of existence in the days and months to come. And right on Right alongside with that, which, by the way, has happened apart from our say-so. It happened because of what God has revealed to Pastor David here, as well as to our Foursquare District, as far as what the next chapter is going to be for us. Exciting stuff, outside of our control. Hey, God, you want my heart? Cool, here it is. Really? You sure about that? Because then it would be about two weeks after that that we end up getting a call finding out that the building in which we are meeting is in process of being sold. 
in fact, is now about to be signed, um, and we will soon be without a church home. How soon? Life on Main, we're meeting at my house next week, okay? Um, they, already knew the, or they already knew about this. We, we mentioned this last Sunday. But our church is going to no longer be at St. Luke's Episcopal Building at 188 Main Street in Charlestown. But God is still allowing us to be life on Main because we're just going to move five doors down to our place at 276 Main Street. So we're still life on Main, okay? Now, with that being said, let me tell you this. I'm not locking God into the fact that we need to just be on Main Street. Maybe the life on Main thing means he just wants us to be about the main thing, which is bringing people to Jesus Christ. And that part is, is our call right now and will not change. Location does not matter. In fact, we had a meeting with a lot of our leadership uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and we were processing this from a slightly different angle at that time, But we were, um, because we were talking about the main building which we met, and then we, Easter Sunday, we had the joys of walking in and finding out we ran out of heat. So uh, we walked into a 41 degree uh, building for Easter Sunday. It's like, yeah, this ain't going to work. So we had service over in the uh, fellowship hall. And at the end of that, you know, we had a discussion, you know, just processing the two different locations. And this is the word that was said, that, that was spoken loudly throughout many people in that meeting. It really doesn't matter where we are. Because wherever we are, the church is and the presence of God is. And that is the mindset that we have, not just the pastors, but the entire leadership, the entire church. That tells me we're about the main thing, okay? And, but the thing, and, but how would we know this stuff? Because we're living in daily relationship, as hopefully you are as well. When God says, move, what's your choice? Do you fight to stay where you are? Do you fight just to try to keep the status quo as long as you possibly can? Or do you embrace what it is that God's doing immediately and say, so be it? Had a discussion with the landlord just this past week. And he's like, oh, you know, you didn't have to get out this soon. I mean, he was shocked to go into the church and find out we already had everything moved out. Uh, we had mentioned uh, last Sunday that this is our last Sunday, and 75% of the church stuck around and helped us pack stuff up. We had stuff moved out, except for the sound equipment, in uh, one hour. It was back at the house and unloaded into the house. It took me the, most of the next day to put it elsewhere, you know, but... And then the next day, uh, we had two more people show up, and we got all the sound gear packed up. The day after that, the landlord walks in, and he was shocked to find the place pretty much empty. Um, but it's like, you know what, God has, you know, we see God's hand in this. And we've had a chance to express this to our landlord. We've actually had a chance to talk with the person that is built, that's purchasing the building. And I've had this opportunity to share with him as well about what God's doing in us. This is not an inconvenience. Can I repeat that? This is not an inconvenience. It is a resetting and a repositioning for something even bigger and greater of what God wants to do. You know, and we are excited about that. Scared? You bet. How many people ride roller coasters? We shared this last week. I hate them. I've been on one five times. I must have been possessed that day. I don't know. Um, but I went on, it was called The Viper. It was at Darien Lake Amusement Park, Six Flags Amusement Park. It has five loop-de-loops. Yeah, that's my first roller coaster. 
And I'll never forget going up, because see, I got this thing with heights. I'm not scared of heights, I'm scared of falling. Okay, that's my issue, okay? But we're going up, and you know what? If Jesus and I weren't close before the trip up the first climb, we were like this by the time I got to the top, okay? Because I don't like those climbs. But there was such fear that was gripping me, but yet there was such excitement. And you know, when you walk with God and he begins to do stuff like what we're going through, what he did with Paul in Acts 16, what he did with Moses at the Red Sea, what he did with Abraham by calling him out of his country, it's scary stuff, but it's exciting stuff when you know God's calling you to do it. Why? Because as we're saying, God is faithful. He will make highways in the midst of the sea. He will do what the world will say is impossible. What you think doesn't make sense to your natural mind, God will make make sense. If we will but simply trust him. Simply trust him. So how are we to move? I want to draw our attention to Isaiah chapter 40. Probably don't even have to look this one up. You probably got this one memorized. It's verse 31. We all love it because we see it on plaques and pillows and everything else. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How are you gonna how is it God's calling me to move? I don't know. Today he may be telling you to walk. Tomorrow he might be telling you to run. The next day he might be telling you to fly. But I think there's something very interesting here. The very first key ingredient to moving the way God wants you to move is to wait. The key to moving God's way is to first not move. It's to be stable. It's to be steadfast. It's only when you wait upon the Lord that you then will renew your strength and then be able to run walk, fly. I find it interesting that the first one he uses isn't the natural things that humans do, which is walk and run. The first thing he pinpoints is if you wait, he'll renew your strength so you can what? Rise up with wings like eagles. Well, that's bizarre. Why not start with walking, <laughs> right? Doesn't, I can't begin to think about flying until I first know how I'm supposed to walk and how I'm supposed to run. Okay, Flying seems like the next step after all that. But God says, no, you need to understand this. You wait on me, you'll mount up with wings like eagles. What is that saying? Well, if you know anything about eagles, what you'll discover is this. Eagles will usually stand on the side, sit or stand, yeah. Do whatever they do, perch, you know. I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not a pro on that. But this much I do know, right, is they will wait on the edge of the cliff. And what are they waiting for? They are waiting with great anticipation for the right wind current. And when the wind current hits, they simply ride the wind. But how do they ride the wind effectively? To the point by which they are the only bird, I believe, that actually can soar so high it loses sight of the earth. How can it get to that point? It cannot get there first, unless it first learns to wait with anticipation for the wind of the Spirit. To come. It's the way it is with us. 
If we want to have any hopes of flying the way God wants us to fly, moving the way God wants us to move, it's only going to start as we wait with anticipation, sometimes on the side of a cliff. Need I remind you, I don't have a fear of heights, but I do have a fear of falling. And if I'm standing on the edge of a cliff, I don't know if anyone's ever done that before. I remember going up Mount Monadnock with my son one day, back a number of years ago. We got almost to the top before my knees started to give out. But we got up high enough to where there was no more trees, to the point where we could look and there was a plane flying a little bit below us and some birds flying below us. And you know what? I wasn't all the way to the edge of the cliff, but let's say this, this right here was the edge of the cliff. I got to right about here. Yeah, that's as close as I'm getting. I ain't getting any closer because I started getting dizzy, okay? The eagle will wait on the edge of the cliff with great anticipation for that wind to come from behind. So you can take him above the unknown and fly into the areas that it is destined for. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to trust God enough to be able to carry you? No matter where it is he's taking you? Even if it means that the first gust of wind is going to take you right off the edge of a cliff, then there's no turning back. Will he still have your heart then? Will, he, will you still choose to follow? Many people are often led more by their natural impulses than by the Spirit's controlling voice. We're guided by what makes sense. You know, we experience our entire world with our five senses, and we have to understand that the kingdom we serve is a kingdom that man cannot see. It's, it's a kingdom we cannot reach out necessarily right now and grab hold of. There is coming a day when we will, but right now we can't. And we tend to try to figure God out and figure out how he's going to move by what it is that we can see, what it is we can touch, what we can feel, what we can hear. God says, all that stuff is going to fail you. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. I'm 55 now. The eyes ain't what they used to be. The ears definitely ain't what they used to be. Just ask my wife. Not they were that great to begin with. But those things are going to fail you. But Jesus says this. He says, you don't have to trust those things. All you got to do is trust me. Because nothing with me ever changes. I don't change. My senses never grow dull. Yours might but as long as you walk with me, as long as you fellowship with me, as long as you talk with me, you will not have anything to fear because I will be your ears. I will be your eyes. And I will show you exactly where it is you need to go, what it is that you need to do. Do you know that I love you? We shared that verse. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Mount up with wings like eagles. Can I take it back just a few verses? Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? God, I don't see you at work. God, I don't see what it is you're up to. Things just don't make sense. I can't seem to grab hold of this. You feel distant from me. That's what they're saying. Hear God's response. Have you not known? 
Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. Guess what? That means he was here before this world. He's going to be here long after. He neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. When God says move, I don't hear him saying move. Learn to wait on him. Learn to spend time with him, fellowship with him, worship him apart from Sunday mornings. Spend time in the word, just getting alone with him. Not to read your Bible because the pastor said so. Not to read your Bible simply because I'm doing the one-year Bible and i got to read so many verses because if I don't, I'm going to fall behind. And, uh, been there, done that. It's getting into the Word because you know what, God? I want to be with you today. I want to hear what you want to speak to me today. I want to experience your presence right here, right now. I want to know that you're involved in every aspect of my life. And God, I'm going to read this until you show me something today. And if you only get two verses, hallelujah. If you have to read two books, praise God. But is that your attitude? I want to know Jesus I want to know him. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection, as Paul said. I want to know him up close and personal. And then, when do you move? You move when, how, and where he tells you. And don't try to figure it out. Let him figure it out. God only tells us to step out of the boat and trust him to stabilize the water. Amen? Do you have that kind of faith? Are you willing to trust him to that level? Will you move when he says move? When he says, come on out, Peter. I, I, I know there's 20-foot swells over here, and I know the clouds are looking pretty nasty, but come on out. Let's have fun. The only way you're going to do that is if your only attention is focused on him. Because the minute you begin to focus on those 20-foot swells over here and you begin to see those clouds over here and you see the lightning flashing over there, the last place you're going to want to go is out on that water. But when you know Jesus is there and all you want to do is get to him, that's what will drive you. If we get that kind of passion for Jesus and to listen to the come out, move, Nothing will be impossible. The seas you're facing will become highways. The ashes you think you're facing will become beautiful. Amen? Lord God, we thank you this morning. We thank you that you are an ever-faithful God, that in you there is no shadow of turning, that in you everything is true and sure. But God, help us to line up our natural senses with that. God, too many times, i got to admit myself as well, Lord, that I just fall short. I just have a hard time seeing you sometimes. But God, help me to realize my eyes will always fail me. And my ears won't always hear you the way I wish they would. 
So God, that's why I ask for you to reach out and you to take our hand. And God, do you lead us forward and trust you to open the doors that need to be opened and shut the doors that need to be shut. To allow you to have your perfect way in everything that I do. So Lord God, it's understanding that I may be blind, but as long as I know you've got 20-20 vision, I'm okay. So Lord God, we choose today no matter our circumstances, no matter where we find ourselves. Lord, we choose today to grab hold of your hand and to hold fast to what it is that you say. God, would you just give us ears to hear you and a heart to be sensitive to you and to your calling and your wooing. And we give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to thank you for tuning into today's broadcast. We pray that it was beneficial for you. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for another episode of Life on Main. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website at lifeonmain.org. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifeonmain, where you can learn about upcoming events and find links to videos of these broadcasts and sermons. You can also view our sermons on our YouTube channel at bit dot ly slash life on main with each of those words capitalized thanks for listening to life on main and may god bless you